Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The term anointing is often used in the church in reference to many things. Mainly we use the word to describe a feeling or a sense that something comes from God. In scriptural terms, however, the Bible most often refers to anointing as God setting apart and empowering someone to accomplish a purpose. In today's message, we're going to look a little closer at what Jesus referred to as the anointing. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We're going to be talking in the next couple of weeks about the anointing. The anointing. Tell your neighbor, say, we are going to talk openly about the anointing. The anointing, to give a simple definition, the anointing is God's power to get his work done through his people. Simple definition. The anointing is God's power to get things done through his people. Now, I know you may think that the anointing is a feeling that you have. When the preacher preaches an awesome message, you say, that was anointed. Or the anointing might be you think of as something when you hear a, a worship team singing, you say, ooh, that was an anointed worship. I know that's what you believe, and it is. That's not all it is. <laughs> I want you to know that the anointing is God's power to get things done through his people. So a pastor has to get something done. So he needs an anointing to talk to God's people. Amen? A worship team has to get something done. What's they have to get done? They have to draw a group of people into God's presence. So there has to be an anointing to get that done. But anointing is not restricted to those two things. And for too long, the church has believed those two things are all anointing is. For way too long, the church has believed that anointing is for preaching and anointing is for singing. And if you have an anointed singing and you have anointed preaching, then that means that's the end of the anointing. We don't think about we may need a church administrator to be anointed, to guide the church. We may not think about the fact we need anointed ushers who can author people coming into the building and them getting to their seat and sensing when something's not right with somebody and grabbing them and hugging them and praying for them and making sure that if a spirit's trying to get in the building, he don't get in. (laughs) We may not think about the fact that we need an anointed cameraman who can follow me moving all around the place. Because we have people watching online who may never get out of their house and need to see and hear. Last week we had 55 people watch our broadcast. Amen. So guess what? We need anointed media people who can ensure that the message is heard through a portal that gets out of this building and gets to people's houses or gets to people's cars or gets wherever they see us. We have somebody who loves us, but they live in their mind too far to get here every Sunday. I say in their their mind because we have people coming from San Jose and Sacramento, different places. However, for this person, getting here on Sunday doesn't work. And so they got here one Sunday and said, y'all know I was running late, but I caught the whole worship because... I turned on the stream in my car, and I I listened to y'all all the way, and then I came in the door, I didn't miss anything. But why were they able to do that? They were able to do that because people on the camera and running the audio are anointed to do something. And when they don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit will show them what to do in the moment. We don't realize it requires an anointing for our people who actually are out running the van. The patience, the anointing to drive in circles until somebody gets in the car 
And then when somebody gets in the car to love on them and bless them, <laughs> Carl's laughing. He said, man, I'm anointed. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Everything that God's people do can be done with or without an anointing. When it's done with an anointing, we see something powerful. God can move in the middle of it. God can do awesome things. When God's people release the anointing or his power to get things done through us. Luke chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 14. And I want you to listen close because Jesus is laying out a pattern for us to follow. Sometimes we, we look at this and we say, wow, that was Jesus. It was amazing. But we miss something that Jesus did. And there's something in this sequence that we're going to read I want you to fully grasp. Because if you grasp it, you will understand the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Tell your neighbor, say, you look like the Spirit might be on you. And tell, tell them, say, I'm talking about the Spirit of God, not, not another spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 14. Whew. Help me, Holy Spirit. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. We're going to stop right there. In this particular case, Jesus had found his disciples. He had gathered them to himself. Then he left his disciples. And he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. When he went into the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He's fasting. The devil's there. He's dealing with this. He's out in the wilderness. He doesn't have any support from anywhere. It's just him and the devil in the wilderness. And for 40 days, they go through this process of the devil tempting Jesus and Jesus fighting him off, fighting him specifically with the word of God. And so every time the enemy comes to him, Jesus quotes a scripture back to the devil to back the devil off and also to guide Jesus's actions. Because in every temptation, what the devil presents Jesus with is a way to do something. <laughs> I hope you're catching what I'm telling you. Amen? The devil comes to him and says, if you will bow down and worship me, then I will show you how to do this. He's presented with a way to do something. The temptation is not just temptation. Ooh, that chocolate cake. Guess what? The chocolate cake temptation is not about the cake. <laughs> it's about whether you're going to eat the cake. Is whether you're going to do something that you don't want to do. So the temptation presents itself, and we think the object is the temptation, but the object is not. That's the bait. <laughs> the temptation is you taking an action. That's what it's about. It's not about the cake. It's about what action will you take. And so when Jesus is presented with options... The options are not the issue, and that's not what Jesus fought. Jesus fought his taking an action that was outside of the will of God for his life. See, temptation comes to every person. If you're sitting here, I know something about you, and that is you have been tempted. You've been tempted to do something. And like I said, the thing is not the problem. The thing is the bait. The problem is, will I do something? And remember, the anointing is God's power to get something done through his people. So the anointing is what God wants to empower you to do something, but the devil knows that if you start figuring out how to do for God, you'll be a problem for him. So he needs to tempt you to do something else besides the anointing that God put on your life. 
If you do the anointing, then the power of God can move through you if you do what you want to do because the bait has drawn you to something, then you're not moving the anointing. Therefore, you're moving in your own power and not the power of God. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. In other words, Jesus went out, he faced the temptation, and when he overcame the temptation, he had more power in the Spirit because he overcame the temptation. Amen? Tell your neighbor, when you overcome, you get stronger. Amen. Chocolate cake is talking to you, is speaking to you. It speaks, it says, your amore. The cake says, I love you. <laughs> the cake speaks to you. It starts talking to you. You say, I love you too. But I don't want to take this action. But I love you. I love you too. But I don't want to eat the cake. But the conversation between me and the cake started happening. And then I'm, I'm, now I'm struggling. Because me and the cake, the cake didn't do nothing wrong to me. I don't want to reject it. I want this cake to have his feelings hurt. So what am I doing? I'm justifying my actions. The more you justify your actions, the easier it is to take action that you don't want to take. Because if I don't want to do it, and I know I shouldn't do it, if I can make myself feel better about doing it, then I can do it with no guilt. The only problem is I won't return in the power of the Spirit because I'm going to give my power away by doing other than what I know I want to do. Amen? Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit because he was tempted and fought the adversary off. The result of fighting off the adversary became the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit reinforced on him stronger than when he went into the wilderness. He came out stronger. Amen? That's why you have to face temptation because temptation is what strengthens you. Overcoming temptation is what builds you up, makes you stronger. (laughs) Verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus got a reputation after he overcame the enemy. Then people wanted to hear him teach. So he began teaching in the synagogues. He began teaching in the synagogues, and people were all excited about the stuff he was teaching. They were all excited until. (laughs) Verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to read and stood up to read. Now, verse 15 said, he taught in their synagogues and they was all excited. They were all happy about his teaching. They were all great. But he went back to his hometown, to Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue as was the custom. Wasn't the first time he's done this. He's done this over and over and over again. But... Verse 17, and when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, notice that he didn't pick the book. So when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. He has anointed me. Now, I've talked about this before, but I want you to process what this says. He opened the book. Somebody else gave him the book of Isaiah. He didn't pick it for himself. Somebody else picked it. They handed it to him. He went through, and he found something in that word that described his life. 
And he, with his mouth, then began to read this passage. And the passage says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember we read earlier, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. So he's acknowledging the fact that the Spirit is on me. And then he says the opposite of what we believe. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me. In other words, I'm not anointed, excuse me, I'm anointed before the Spirit. I'm not anointed when the Spirit comes. I'm anointed before the Spirit, and then the Spirit is given. In other words, you was born with an anointing to do something for God. You were born, when you came into this planet, when you popped onto the scene, you were anointed. (laughs) You were an anointed sinner, but you were anointed. In other words, God had already said, I have already ordained my power to be on this person to get something done. There's something already. In other words, you were born with purpose. You were born with with God's hand already on you, except you're separated from God by your sin. So when we come before the Lord and we say yes to Jesus and we receive redemption through Jesus Christ, our anointing or our presence of God that we always were born to hold is now open so that you can fully receive it. But now you've got to renew your mind because your mind says you can't receive it because your mind's been living with it for however long before you got saved. See, your mind came after your spirit. You were born with a spirit that was hungry for God, but your mind came into play after you started becoming aware because your mind is connected to your senses. And when your mind came forward and your mind starts absorbing things, you don't know God with your mind. And so when God presents himself, we wrestle with our mind about how God fits into our life. But it doesn't change the fact you were born anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me. In other words, God sent his Spirit because I had an anointing to go and preach the gospel to the poor. He said, I was already ordained for this. I was already adorned for it. I, I, I just needed God to then send the power after I was anointed. Tell your neighbor, say, you were born anointed. All you need is power. Hallelujah. Come on. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. He dropped the mic. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I've already been anointed to do something. He saw in the Scripture what he was called to do, and he called it out. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Look at your neighbor and say, you have an anointing to preach good news to people that are poor. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you're anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Look behind you and tell tell your neighbor behind you. Say, you're anointed to preach deliverance to captives. Then put your finger on your own chest and say, you're anointed to recover sight of the blind. Now let's say, we are anointed to set at liberty those that are oppressed. 
And we're anointed to preach the acceptable year of our Lord. See, what I want you to process today, and I want you to get it past your mind, and I want you to get it into your spirit, I need you to receive this as revelation understanding, is that you have an anointing to bring justice into the earth. You are anointed to bring justice into the earth. What is justice? Justice is the breaking of the back of poverty. Because in this world, there are sufficient resources for all people. But there are systems that create poverty. And the systems that we use, they have to have a certain amount of poor people. There's no benefit for this country to have 100% employment. It is no benefit whatsoever. There need to be poor people in this country. Our system requires poor people in this country. It's called systemic poverty. Any nation that has a governing body over it understands that there cannot be 100% chiefs. You got to have chiefs and Indians. You can't, the whole army can't be filled with generals. <laughs> There's got to be generals and privates. And on the way down from general to private, you can't have too many sergeants, you can't have too many lieutenants. You can't have too many colonels. You've got to have plenty of privates because the system is built on that. And Jesus said these words. He said, if any desire to be great among you, you will not lord over the others. You will find your way to become the servant of all. In other words, he said, the kingdom is turned over. The kingdom, the kingdom doesn't work the same way the world system works. The world system works with a pyramid going up. <laughs> he said the kingdom doesn't work like that. The kingdom works flat because all of us gather around one king. <laughs> That's why Jesus is called the king of kings. In other words, he's not just the king. He's the king of all of us who become kings and priests. See, Adam was given charge over the earth, not over everybody else. Think about it. <laughs> Adam's dominion was not given for Adam to lord over everybody else. He was told to have dominion over the earth. And that's why even in this church, I fought for years giving an org chart because, I knew, I, because the Lord said, don't give people an org chart because they're going to make an org <laughs> We're not an org, we're a church. <laughs> but we got to understand who's over what. No, we, no. The Lord is over all. <laughs> we have areas of stewardship that we are charged to have stewardship over, but <laughs> we can't think of ourselves like corporate America. The movement right now in our nation, among our churches, is to work more like corporations. Except corporations don't work for all. <laughs> he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. He told them something bold. They've been listening to him all the time, and he reads a passage of Scripture, and now they're waiting for the interpretation. He closed the book, laid it down, and now they want Jesus to start teaching. 
Because he always teaches. Gee, that Jesus, oh, man, that Jesus teaches some good stuff, man. Well, I heard, man, I, man I, was over, I was over in Cana, and I heard Jesus in the synagogue over there. Woo-wee, man, he's, oh, man, he's anointed. <laughs> but now he says the anointing is about some other things. And then they're waiting for this powerful interpretation. Their eyes were fixed on him, all the eyes. Verse 21, here's the message. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him, marveled at the gracious words which he proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? Now they have to deal with, boy, that's, man, that's, that, was, that, was, that sounded so good, Jesus. Wait a minute. What do you mean the scripture's fulfilled in your hearing? Aren't you Joseph's son? I know your daddy, boy. <laughs> did, you ju- did you just say that scripture's fulfilled in your hearing? That when we heard this, the scripture's being fulfilled? Sometimes people think they know you better than they know you. Amen. <laughs> he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, verse 23, and they said to him, and he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Listen, I want you to listen close. You've been anointed. What we just read in Luke is for us to declare over ourselves, to speak over ourselves. But you also need to understand there are certain people who cannot see you in the lens of Scripture. They can only see you in the lens in which you grew up under. There are certain people who will always struggle to see you in the light of what God's word says about you. And if you only hold on to what others say about you, you will eat the cake and not walk in the anointing. <laughs> you will, if, you don't, if you don't understand that some people can't see you right, then your temptation will be whether you're going to eat the chocolate cake that's calling to you because it's familiar to you, or are you going to do what God said you need to do that's in the opposite direction? See, anointing is not gathered by most things that people want to call it. You're born with anointing, but it's not the anointing to sing or to preach. You're born with anointing to let the power of God flow through you and do things that God wants done. But you can't let that anointing flow if your choices get hindered by other people's lenses about who you are. I have a dear friend who can't see me as a pastor. He can't see me as a pastor. He loves me. I know he loves me, but he can't see me as a pastor. And because he can't see me as a pastor, his desire is to have our friendship and not the anointing. Not because something's wrong with him, but because he, his lenses are Blocking him from seeing me a certain way. And because his lenses won't see, if if I then say, you know what? Let me link to that. Then I won't walk in the anointing that God has for me. See, See, your people closest to you, they know you as Joseph's son. I was walking out of work the other day and this lady grew up with my mother. She grew up with my mother, and she saw me. She said, oh, and, and, she, and when she sees me, she, oh, the other person that was when she said, I knew him when he was a baby. Oh, yeah, I, I changed his diapers when he was a, oh. You know, she, so she's, 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 she, she, she's way back on me, right? <laughs> Please, don't, don't tell people you changed my diapers. Come on, that, people don't need to think about me like that, Okay. Oh, I changed his diapers. Oh, yeah. And oh, she's, she's all into the story. I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
Yeah, then I got to walk into the boardroom. <laughs> so what if, for you, the people who know you, whose perceptions of you matter to you, because that's what love does. Love makes perception matter. What if those beautiful, well-meaning people who love you so dearly can't see you? the way God sees you. What do you do? Well, what do you do? How do you, how do you let yourself grow into change? How do you allow yourself the, the, the ability to, to, to actually develop in the things of God and, and move forward? How do you start to do that when people who are so sweet to you, who love you, will start saying, what's wrong with you? When you get all, when, when did you get all holy on me? <laughs> when did you start changing like this? How do you deal with that? How is a Christian supposed to deal with that? The answer to that question is what's going to make or break the anointing on your life. Because some of us are ready, and some of us have to be drawn further into it. That's why we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, because when we come together, iron sharpens iron, and we continue to identify each other by the things that God has called on our lives. So that's what we do in church. We come together, and we call out. We say, I see the power of God on you. I see the anointing on you. I see that intercessor power on you. I see it on you. Wow, I see God moving in you. What do we do? We sharpen each other and strengthen each other. That's why Jesus called out 12 to be with him and to follow him and to be there with him so that they could break out of what they were, fishers, and become fishers of men. See, they had, to, they had to come together as a group and sharpen each other and strengthen each other together and to unify around the calling of God on their lives so that they would be inspired to move forward at the right time. There's a young man in the Old Testament. He's out plowing a field, and the prophet walks up to him and says, I'm calling you to follow me. And young man says, wait a minute. I'll follow you as soon as I go talk to my family. And he says, uh, that's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> See, the answer is when he's calling, when the anointing is called out, you've got to come and you've got to follow. Follow the anointing. Let God begin doing things in you. Now, what happens with it is God then gives you the power to go to your family and bring transformation to them. But we first got to understand, we got to respond to the anointing. Go to Isaiah 61. I want to show you something here. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready to move as God says move. I want you to see something. Isaiah 61, you've seen this before, but I want you to understand it. Remember, it said he gave, was giving him the book of Isaiah to read from, and Jesus began reading it. And when he started reading it, he closed the book at a certain point. But what does it say beyond that point? Isaiah 61, verse 1 says, the Spirit of the Lord... God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to those who are bound. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And you know that's when Jesus closed the book. But that's not even the end of the verse. <laughs> See, Jesus had a certain mission on his life, and his life was to bring the acceptable year of the Lord. His, his job was to set in place the gospel of Jesus Christ and us to understand that there are things that the gospel does. It brings us and empowers us to heal. It empowers us to bring uh, liberty. It empowers us to restore sight. It empowers us to do those things. And when we're empowered to that, the most important thing in the ministry of Jesus is that this Jesus opens the door to the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, you don't have to wait for another time. Now's the time. When you hear the gospel, now's the time for you to receive it. Amen? It's right now's the time. Now's the acceptable time for anybody to receive the gospel. 
But this passage goes further. I'm going to read some of this that goes further, and I want you to listen close because it then starts to speak past Jesus onto those who would accept what Jesus brought. Amen? Y'all with me on that? Who, who am I talking about? No, I'm talking about y'all. Amen. See, Jesus talked about how far he was supposed to go, and then he then has a body of Christ, a body of his, that's supposed to go the rest of the way. Amen? Head can only go so far without the body. So the head went so far. The head created the acceptable year of the Lord. Now the body must take on what the head has proclaimed. Amen? What the head says is now where the body needs to go. Amen? If my mind makes up a decision that we're going to Saks Hot Dogs, the body's going to follow. Don't be hating on Saks Hot Dogs in here. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, Saks Hot Dogs run. Y'all know, come on. <laughs> See, I say some stuff just to make sure y'all with me. Amen. All right. I, I said Saks, and now I saw y'all turn around. <laughs> Pastor be eating at Saks? <laughs> yeah, I go in there in a the suit. I go in the Saks in the suit to get a hot dog. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So there's three things here. There's number one, the acceptable year of the Lord. There's number two, the vengeance of God. And number three, there is the comforting. Now, Jesus brought the acceptable year of the Lord, right? Right? The Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? So what's in the middle? Vengeance. Vengeance. Man. What does vengeance mean? Uh oh. Somebody said the big payback. Amen. <laughs> Vengeance is where we get the word revenge from, right? Now, here's what you need to understand Vengeance is to bring justice. Vengeance means to bring justice, but we have made vengeance to be anger. Because how many of y'all heard some, a, a good Christian who said, I'm mad at you, and you know, the Lord said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> and it's that, it's that anger, I'm mad, and I know I'm not supposed to say that to you, but vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The Lord's going to get you. But vengeance actually means justice. Vengeance means to bring justice. See, Jesus came to bring the acceptable of the year of the Lord. The Holy Spirit came to bring comfort. But the church is here to bring justice. The church is here to bring justice into the earth. And justice, again, why Jesus had to wrap ministry into unless you do things in love, you're just making noise. Vengeance cannot be out of anger. We cannot bring justice out of anger. We have to do everything we do in a spirit of love. We're supposed to bring vengeance to the earth with love. In other words, not revenge to get back at somebody, but justice to make sure that the blind have their sight restored. That the poor had the good news preached to them. That the things that Jesus called and said are part of that ministry are executed in the earth to bring justice. Justice looks like the kingdom of God. 
Amen? Are y'all with me? Verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. (laughs) We're supposed to help people find beauty in burnt up things. When people find their lives burned up, the church is here to help them find beauty in the middle of that. See, sometimes people are in storms and life and challenges and life hits them really hard and they find things that that have gone wrong and the church is here to bring the Holy Spirit into the environment, to be the comfort, to comfort those that mourn and to help them find beauty in the middle of the ashes. When my baby sister died, my mother was devastated. She was totally devastated. And I remember the day that it was like a black cloud came over our house. I remember it. And I remember everything in our household changed. It didn't change in that we started doing different things, but the feeling in our house was changed. And there was a darkness that was there. And my mother struggled with that for a long time until she found the beauty in the ashes. (laughs) And my mother started, when the time my mother passed away, I had all these sisters. Why? Because the death of one child opened my mother up to ministry to young women. And that became the beauty in the middle of the ashes. Hallelujah. That God gave her a beauty in the middle of a tragedy. There was something that came out of it because God ministered to it. And God said, you don't have the daughter that you wanted, but I'm going to give you the daughters I have for you. And so all these young ladies became my sisters. Because my mother found something that the only Spirit of God can show you in tragedy. And guess what? The church is called to help people find it. See, we can't stop tragedy from hitting people's lives. You can't do that. You can't make tragedy not come. It it has to come. Jesus said, you know what? Storms are going to come. It's going to be not about whether the storm came. It's going to be about where you built your house. <laughs> did you build your house in the sand or did you build your house on the rock that can't be moved? And my mother's life was built on the rock. So even though tragedy came, God moved and caused beauty to come from ashes. Woo, come on. The oil of joy for mourning. If you are down, guess what? God said, I want to pour the oil of joy over you. I want you that you've had tragedy. Yes, you face it. Yes, you've been grieving. But guess what? I want to pour this oil of joy over you. And guess what? We as the church are here to bring the justice of pouring that oil over people and giving them joy in the middle of their hardest places. (laughs) Oh, man, come on, y'all. Woo! I'm calling you to an anointing. I'm calling you to something that God's got for you. I'm calling no matter who you are, no matter what your age, young, mature, doesn't make a difference. You can bring the oil of joy to somebody's house. Come on, you can bring the oil of joy. Come on, you can help people find something in the ashes of their life. When life is broke down, life is all bad. You can help people find things. Why? Because you've been anointed. The Spirit of God is on you in order for you to be able to do that. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Come on, y'all. If y'all can't handle this, you sure can't handle what's coming. Come on, I want you to understand. I want you to know you are a precious jewel. You are someone that's placed in between the great day of God and the comforting of the Holy Spirit. You are the church that's in the middle. You are that thing that God says, I got three things coming down the pipeline in this prophetic word. I'm going to speak before Jesus ever comes on the scene. 500 years before Jesus came, God was already talking about how you are going to carry an anointing to be a blessing to the world you live in. Come on. Before Jesus ever came, he said, you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be the seed of Abraham, and I'm going to put you right in between the Holy Ghost and Jesus, and I'm going to make you do something awesome. Your life is not empty, and your life is not worthless. Your life has such awesome value. You are so powerful. You are so created for such a time as this. Right now where there's so much injustice in the world, you are walking around as the walking, talking seed of justice in the world. 
You are the seed of justice. Woo, come on. (laughs) The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Woo. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, I'm a praise leader. Even though I can't sing. (laughs) Now, y'all were supposed to say, Forget pastor, I can sing. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't know who he's talking to, I can sing. (laughs) Amen. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness. A tree of righteousness. Right standing with God, open, bearing fruit, just out here. Giving shade the needs of shade, giving fruit to the hungry. Trees of righteousness. Woo-wee. My neighbor, uh, people that owned the house prior to my current neighbor, they planted a tree in the backyard. And, and she told us when she planted, she said, it's a pepper tree. I said, pepper tree? Okay. So it started growing. And all of a sudden, I saw a familiar fruit on that tree. See, some of y'all don't know about what I'm getting ready to, The fruit that came on this tree, a loquat. Y'all think about kumquats. I'm talking about East Oakland loquats. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that tree. I was, I was back there. Oh, I said, man, there's loquats in that tree. I couldn't help myself. I was, I was, I was, reaching, over, I was reaching over the fence. <laughs> man, I said, ooh. I said, man, these are real loquats. I, went, I was in the backyard, went back. I washed them off. And then I, then I went on the side of the house. <laughs> Just in case she looked out the window. On the side of the house, I said, man, this is a loquat, man. Okay, I'm going to keep this low. Keep it, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. Keep it low. But then I was realizing it was like a chocolate cake, so I need to be nice about it. And don't, get, don't get caught into temptation, man, in my backyard here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Listen close. The planting of the Lord. In other words, we're going to realize God planted us in certain places and his design for us to be planted where we were planted. I realized I was planted in my family for a reason. I was planted in my family for God's purpose. I'm the tree of righteousness. And I've been planted there for a reason. You're in your family. You grew up in your neighborhood. You live in your current neighborhood. You work on the job you're on. You're all in those places because you were planted there by God. Amen. Amen. Woo-wee, man. You were planted there. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, go back where you came from. Say, I am where I came from. <laughs> Hallelujah. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. In other words, God's going to get the glory from your life. Amen? Amen. Next verse. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. So you need to receive the individual anointing because you need to know that there's an environmental anointing that you're called to impact as well. You're called to impact places. Pastor Edward is called to rebuild a nation. God told him to rebuild a nation. And so at the end of the year, he's going to take the next step in rebuilding a nation, the nation of Haiti. He's going to take another step forward in rebuilding that nation. Amen? That's all the amen we get out of that? We're going to rebuild a nation and we get an amen. Well, yeah, that's all we get? 
I'm, t- I'm, telling you, I'm telling you that your brother in your church is going to rebuild a nation. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He's going to rebuild a nation. He is rebuilding a nation. Okay? All right? I understand that there's 40% unemployment in a certain part of this state. And God has somebody in this church planted there. And they're going to rebuild. Come on, this is not my imagination. This is the Bible saying there's people who are called to do certain things. That God has an anointing to get stuff done. Tara and her daughter are called to rebuild the city of Fresno. (laughs) Now y'all getting a hold of this. Yes, yes. We say amen. Yes, it's going to happen. Yes, it's happening. Yes, it is. Yes, why? Because why? God says, I put an anointing on the church to do stuff, to get stuff done, to get stuff complete, to make things happen. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. In other words, God's going to anoint them to strike generational mindsets. To hit generational mindsets that even when you bring the truth, people resist the truth because their generational mindset passed down to them says that certain things can't happen in this environment. It's the reason I couldn't go to Stanford is because my generational mindset resisted the fact that I could possibly be a Stanford student. And so even when I had an opportunity, I would not go there. Even when the, 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 the admissions counselor is calling my house, telling me, man, I got your stuff. Come on. I just need this from you. That I was frozen and I couldn't move. Why? Because I had a generational mindset that was resisting me. But there is a power from God that can break generational mindsets and loose people out of bondage in their mind. So what does he say? He said, not only am I going to let you rebuild the stuff, I'm going to give you desolation and power over the desolations that many generations have passed down. Do you know why there is such a struggle for African Americans in the United States? Do you know why? It's because there's a generational mindset that keeps creeping in every time we think we make progress. That mindset keeps coming up and setting people back, even when we believe. Do you know that the, 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 the group that was most critical of the Cosby show when it came out, do you know who the group that was most critical of it? Black folks. Why? A doctor and a lawyer. It was a generational mindset attacking because we can't, we, can't, we can't visualize that as truth, as that is reality. That's not real. I said, you know, what, you know what happened? You know what the enemy then did? The enemy said, oh, great. They won't buy that. Let me give them what they will buy. Who? guess what he said? He said, I'm serving chocolate cake over here, y'all. I'm serving it right here, y'all. Come get it. Come get it. Forget all them vegetables. Who, who, cares about, who cares about that? Come, come get some of this. And so you saw the, not the pleasant side, but you saw the underside of hip-hop rise in response to that. Now, is there anything wrong with hip-hop? No. No, hip-hop is a style. But every style carries a message. And when a message that was acceptable to the part of us that wouldn't receive new ground, we embraced it. And I saw guys in college who grew up in good places who wouldn't accept the fact of how they grew up because they needed to be part of the down crowd. Because all of a sudden we had to 
get our mindset. But what is that? That's the desolation of generations. That's the thing that holds people, even when you're physically free, that you are still bound. Ooh, but there's an anointing that could deal with that. There is anointing from God to deal with that. And this passage says this, and this is what you got to be able to say. This message is fulfilled in your hearing. This, passage, this, this, this message from Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing because I'm here right now. See, that's what Jesus did. Jesus read the book. That's all you're going to hear. Now, just know this. I'm here. <laughs> Aren't you Joseph's son? Yep. And I'm here. <laughs> yes, I am. You have, you have properly identified me, except your lenses don't see all of me. Amen? I went to the, doc- went to the eye doctor. What did he say? He said, okay, well, you know, you've been wearing this prescription. You need a new prescription, bro. <laughs> no, I don't. I see fine. Now, don't be speaking that over me. <laughs> I said, I see fine. So he took him off. He said, okay, uh, what's clearer, A or B? B. What's clearer, A or B? B. What's clearer, A or B? B. You need a new prescription. Huh? Wait a minute. (laughs) See, you think you see fine, but sometimes you don't see clearly. Amen. You thought everything was cool, but it ain't cool. Amen. Because there's more to see. You just can't see it because your eyes are fuzzy. You need to get new lenses to see new stuff. This is new lenses on your eyes, amen? You need to wear these new lenses, and you're going to start seeing new stuff when you start wearing this lens right here over who you are. <laughs> Come on. Next verse, verse 5. I'm going to have to close. I'm going to have to shut it down. Verse 5. Strangers shall stand and feed the flocks, your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. In other words, it's going to get turned around so that you're going to have people working for you. Because you can be trusted, because you're not going to run it like a world system. You're going to run it like kingdom system. Amen. Amen. Verse 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. What? (laughs) You shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Verse 7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Come on. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to you, but he needs you to put the lenses on that when he says who you are, you don't deny it. See, a lot of time I didn't, I didn't want to, I was at a certain point in my ministry life, I didn't want anybody calling me pastor. Don't call me pastor. Don't call me that. I didn't want to be seen like that. Don't call me that. I'm not that. Even though God told me that's what you are. <laughs> but I was still fighting that. And so me and God would fight about that because God says who I am. And I say, no, I'm not. And what I was doing, chocolate cake all day. <laughs> I keep falling for the same temptation all the time. I keep falling for the same temptation. I won't accept what God says, and so I'm chocolate cake. And then I'm in chocolate cake shape. And then when it's time to do what God called me to do, I can't do it because I'm out of shape because of the chocolate cake. When God was trying to call me to something else to be stronger, to come out of the wilderness stronger, to do everything God calls stronger with an anointing from him to do stuff. (laughs) Amen. God wants to give me double, but I can't get it if I'm in chocolate cake shape. 
God wants to bless me and book me more in the new thing. If I'm not in the right shape, I have to be where God wants me to be. I have to get into God's position. And when I'm in God's position, then it seems natural to walk into saying, you know what? God's putting double in here. Where's the double? Where is it? Problem in the church. Problem in the church is that if we don't reinforce the fact that God has anointed every person, then we start believing that only the people on the stage are anointed. And we don't have to challenge ourselves to grow spiritually. We don't have to challenge ourselves to get strong in the Lord. We don't have to challenge ourselves because anointing belongs to them, not to me. But that's a lie from hell. Verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. In other words, I don't, even want, I don't even want stuff that people are trying to take for good reason that's not according to my design. I will direct their work in truth. Tell your neighbor, say, I, God will anoint your work. Come on. I will make with them what? And that phrase is what ties this passage to the church because there's only one place God has made an everlasting covenant, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no other everlasting covenant besides the covenant that God has made through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus becomes the everlasting covenant which says this passage, he's talking to us. <laughs> Woo! Okay, let's close with this. How are you going to get it? How are you going to get it? Go to, um, one more time, go back to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, and we're going to close and pray with this. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Where did he get the power of the Spirit? He got the power of the Spirit from the time he spent overcoming small temptation that gave him power over bigger things. You want to come up in the things of God? All you have to do is start making the simple decisions and you're going to keep coming back stronger in the Spirit. Make the simple decision to say, I pray daily. I pray daily. First thing in the morning, I'm going to pray. If I'm running late, if I wake up late and I'm running late for work, I'm going to pray in my car. If I'm running late and I ain't driving my car, I'm going to pray on the bus. I'm going to read the Word every day. He said, well, I don't read well. Then get the Bible on CD. Get the Bible on CD. Say, I'm going to listen for five minutes every day. So you don't have to try to conquer the whole world. Just start taking land where you are. Can you pray every morning? Can you get five minutes of Bible reading in? Can you start there? And you're going to get in there, and you're going to come out in the power of the Spirit. And then you're going to move it up a little further. And you're going to move it up a little further. And then all of a sudden, others will see the power of the Spirit on you. And when they start seeing the power of the Spirit on you, they're going to come asking you, can you pray for me? Can you help me? And you're going to say, yes, I can. Even though in your heart you're going to say, I don't think I can. But you're not going to fall for the cake. You're going to say what God says about you. You're going to say, yes, I can help you because the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He sent me to pray for people like you. I'm here to pray for people like you. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm empowered today. Hallelujah. I want you to take this and I want you to meditate on this anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the attentiveness of your people. I thank you for your spirit moving among us. I thank you for you doing a mighty work in everyone that's here. I thank you for those that are here having the heart to receive. And as everyone receives, Lord, you be their comforter. 
Be with them. Hallelujah. Continue to show them the bigger picture. Show them how you want to use them to change nations. Praise God and thanks for listening. Today's message was titled Empowered for Purpose from a new series titled The Anointing. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.